What did you eat for breakfast? Uh, coffee. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I actually ate breakfast, yeah. <laughs> you are listening to the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Business. Business. This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Print Company, located in Fort Worth, Texas. You may remember I talked to Justin back in episode 5 about the merch industry and his passion for music and working with bands and artists. Do you need help with your merch? Skinny Armadillo specializes in quality apparel decoration, including screen printing, embroidery, design, digital on-demand printing, web stores, fulfillment, and more. Contact Skinny Armadillo now to find out how you can grow your merch sales, discover the current printing technologies, or to get a quote. Call 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. That's 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. I have some great news for listeners of the podcast. If you're a band or an artist that needs some merch printed, or a business that needs promotional apparel or other items, in the month of January 2020, call Skinny Armadillo and mention the Music on Your Own Terms podcast and get 10% off your first order. Make sure you stay up to date with the podcast by signing up to the mailing list at musiconyourownterms.com. There you will find show notes to every episode and links to other resources. Welcome to episode 31 of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. In one of the most lighthearted and fun, yet dichotomously deep and explorative interviews I've conducted, I talked to Joanna Haggerty of JPH Creative. She discusses her work as an artist's economic development consultant and coach generating six figures in festival revenue that went to the local arts community in her hometown of Asheville, North Carolina, her previous work as a mental health professional, living in New Zealand for six months, and a number of psychological explorations. Find out what drives her passion for supporting the arts, strategies for successfully pursuing a creative career, and how I managed to put my foot in my mouth and sound like a goober. All right, welcome to another Music on Your Own Terms podcast. I'm joined today by Joanna Haggerty, owner of JPH Creative. How are you doing? I'm doing really great. How are you, Dan Simon? I'm I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for uh, taking your time to uh, join me today. Um, so let's just dive right in, and if you could introduce yourself and what you do in the creative community. 
Yeah. Well, uh, as you mentioned, my name is Joanna Patrice Haggerty, and right now my company is called JPH Creative. We're actually sort of in an interesting transition. We'll probably talk about it a little bit, but I just closed the first two major businesses I started running and am sort of growing this new business. It actually has another name that we'll be launching in January, but we can't talk about it yet. (laughs) Um, And so I am an arts economic development specialist, which is a mouthful within its own, but essentially my whole dream and goal is to make artists all across the board, musicians, performers, graphic designers, make them successful and make them a valuable part of society because they truly are. So that usually manifests itself in business coaching, which artists hate that term. So I always am like, I'm your pal or your mentor, but it's business coaching. Um, And I do event production and I do a lot of partnerships with local government and private businesses to do programs and initiatives to support artists. Awesome. Yeah. So let's let's go way back and and, uh, (laughs) what what got you into? I mean, you, you, you sing, correct? I do. I do sing. It's interesting. I have a smattering of creative talents and I decided that I was just going to be a hobbyist. I love arts, but I was a little too shy and not confident enough in that to actually be a performer. And I really enjoy knowing the creative side, but using my creativity to support creatives. So I do sing, but it's all hobby style. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Well, as I said, let's go back and um, where did the Let's let's make it broad. And where did the creativity and the you know, art side of you come from? Uh, I went to a beautiful elementary school. I grew up in a pretty uh, poor neighborhood. I was one of the few white kids in a black neighborhood. So that was a really interesting thing to understand equity really early on. And the elementary school I went to was pretty impoverished, but the the teachers we had and the leaders we had in that school, they did not care. They applied for every grant available. We had uh, a photo dark room in an elementary mm. school. <laughs> um, again, in an, in an improvised area Sweet. of downtown North Carolina rural area. So it was amazing for me to get all this exposure and being wow. a really shy child. The arts were what helped me. I was performing Shakespeare at like age 10 and found this confidence through curating myself more like a play until I could feel more confident in having conversations and singing Mm. was a huge part of that too. Um, One of my favorites was I was Violet Beauregard in elementary school from uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and she's just so sassy and you know Mm -hmm. just so not me and it was fun to just try these different characters on and test them out. Um, So my love for the arts has pretty much been my whole life. I would spend hours in my room drawing and writing and crafting all sorts of stuff so it's been been a long time love affair <laughs> that's awesome yeah um and so entrepreneurial you know that the entrepreneurial mindset is central to this podcast mm-hmm. and obviously it is to your business um when did you have that concept kind of re- realize like when when did you you figure that stuff out you know i love that you even pose this question because so much of this conversation is normalizing the term entrepreneur for creatives. So it's Mm. really important for us to continue to have that conversation. For me, uh, I always knew that I wanted to throw a festival. I don't know why. I went to college. It was a pretty, uh, like, poor town. There wasn't a whole lot going on. So I would throw house parties and we built a stage in our backyard. So I got a taste of what it was like to do event production early on. 
and then I started getting into festival work and then I actually ended up taking a job at our local arts council and I started doing business courses for students and I started sort of helping others see themselves as entrepreneurs and I think that's when it sort of triggered back on me that oh being an artist absolutely can be a full-time job it can be a successful career Mm. Um, and it was funny because I was teaching people for probably several years before I started really absorbing that I think truly myself Um, but being able to to coach and do educational classes for artists you know for the last eight ten years has really helped me really lock that in over and over and over now I teach it daily to 15 20 clients at a time so (laughs) that's that's killer yeah yeah so I I mean I've said this before on the podcast and like when I went to school I didn't, I didn't know what entrepreneur, you know, that was, that word doesn't, it didn't exist in my vocabulary and it wasn't till a lot later. Um, but I think, you know, now you have it in high school, you have classes about being an entrepreneur, which I think is, is really amazing. Yeah. Where do you think the stigma, uh, comes from, from being so uncomfortable as an artist to be successful as a business person? Ah. Uh... What a great question. I think it comes from a lot of angles, but I would say primarily it's it comes from the way that entrepreneurialism is taught and discussed. It's not talked about, like you said, in the creative industries. And these terms, even something like cash flow and budgets and, you know, these really dry terms that are very important for all entrepreneurs to have Mm. are never discussed in the creative industries. They go to college and spend tens of thousands of dollars and those words aren't used. You go to business school, of course they talk about that. So Mm. honestly, I think the stick isn't always a stigma it's just lack of knowledge and education and simply awareness normalizing you know one of the things I love about your podcast is including the mental health conversation I did Mm. mental health work for eight years it's the same thing we have to normalize we have to say I have anxiety and that's okay we have to say you know you're a business owner as a creative and that's okay it's it's important to make money and to make that mindset a priority because if we just want to sing for fun we can be like me and have it as a hobby I don't care if I get paid when I get on stage and perform but I care greatly if my artists who are full-time artists get paid and get paid fairly you know (laughs) right and I, I mentioned uh, earlier, I, I, I listened to one of the other podcasts you, you were on earlier this year. Yeah. One thing that stuck out to me was you'd said that um, if if you're in a band or you're an artist and you accept a low rate, you're undervaluing yourself. Um, and, and it really stuck out that you said you're not just hurting yourself and your own value, but you're also hurting the industry as a, in general. Because if you undervalue yourself, it means that person who's paying doesn't value all artists and so the rate in you know as a as a as an average goes down because people will accept less pay yeah and there is a there is a you know if you want to be a devil's advocate you could say well that's just the um you know that's just market economy and and the winner you know the winner wins kind of thing but you know in in my current profession you know making t-shirts you know, we we don't want to be the guy that undercuts everything. Mm-hmm. We want to make a consistent quality product, and you know, we're raising our prices, um, you know, to 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 match at least to match the online, you know, like let's let's take like one of the big ink 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 locker or or something, you know, similar to that, and and they're charging a 
a fee, you pay it up front and you get, you know, one shirt when they're ready to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's it's kind of the same thing with um, with being an artist. If you, if you want, I think it's more interesting that because you're an artist, you're the only one of you and you, you know, I, I, I promote this on the podcast and, you know, do more of you. Don't try and be someone mm-hmm. else. You can't, if you, you can't copy yourself. I mean, there's no one out there like you. So if you want to make yourself the best at what you do, charge, you know, a good value. And if people want to pay it, they will. Right. But, and you, there's so many things to that, but in our modern society, it isn't just about making the most money. Our planet is struggling mm. on so many levels. And I personally believe artists are going to save the world. Our creators are going to do new inventions and use their art to talk about hard political conversations. So even there, we have a social responsibility to not shoot ourselves in the foot and not undersell ourselves or our entire community uh, because it shouldn't be about creating the cheapest, fastest product. It should be about quality. Right. And I think people are really starting to understand that. But empowering artists to take that on the forefront is why I do arts economic development, not just mm. corporate economic development or citywide. I think using artists, again, to sit on that cusp, if we change their mentalities, then everybody else, I feel like, can trickle down and find self-value and stand up and say, no, I don't want to buy that thing from corporate store A. I want to mm. buy it from local store B. Right, absolutely. And, you know, just touching back on that podcast, you actually were talking about, um, and we can touch on this a bit later as well, but... Um, how a creative is not just someone who does art or yes. music or pottery. It's it's the broader spectrum of, you know, makers yes. and um, designers, know, and so, producers, and, and, and designers, anything yeah. like that. But yeah, what you said about being the, the manufacturing industry and having, you know, um, you know, I, I come from a manufacturing background as well. So I have kind of both sides. My dad was a design engineer. Um and it, it's, but I, I think about things like the brewery industry, you know, the craft, I love craft yes. beer and that kind of yes. small, um, you know, it's, it, it's definitely creative to the nth degree. Um, and my friend Dave, shout out to, uh, the waking up from work, work podcast. Yes. I just listened to his podcast about, he was interviewing a drum maker. So it's, and they were talking about, um, you know, how the, the big corporations, make these you know the the drums are just you know mass produced and they're good but they're not worth the money that you pay for them versus a, a small you know maker who who's who's creating something special that you can only get in small quantities right. but even he said like if you if he buys a table saw the table saw is mass produced and it's going to break in a couple of years rather than, well, he's going to pay a bit of extra money, get an older table saw from like the sixties and seventies where they're all cast iron. You can fix stuff on it. <laughs> and I think, you. you know, and I think that's, that's a perfect example of, you know, getting over the cheap um, mass produced stuff and, and charging for good quality <laughs> product or a good quality, you know, music or, or painting or whatever it is. I so agree. I think people weirdly forget that 
creativity and simply being creative is actually what has gotten us where we are. We wouldn't have had the Industrial Revolution or things like that. Uh, Science, innovation would not exist without creativity. So yes, even when we think about business, even when we think about these giant industries, there's so much creativity in them as well. And so for me, being creative is human. Being an artist, being a creative entrepreneur is a whole nother ballgame and is where I find the real rich good stuff. <laughs> Let's talk about X-Brand. Is that that's one of the uh, companies you're Expand them? Brand, yeah. So Expand. Yeah. Uh, it had many names, many, iter- many iterations. It was essentially sort of the first business I started uh, about when I moved to Asheville, North Carolina, 10 years ago. I went to college okay. again for psychology and human development because I thought I was supposed to be a teacher or a healer in a lot of mm. ways. And I am, don't get me wrong, but it's in a different capacity than I thought. And I thought the arts were always going to be my hobby and my safe mental health space. And so this whole journey of doing mental health work and realizing that I wasn't able to make giant systemic change in those industries. You're just putting band-aids over giant issues, addiction, inequity. And again, when I started working with artists, I realized we put ourselves in those positions because we want to grow out of it. We aren't putting ourselves in poverty by choice. We're putting ourselves in poverty to move through not working for the man, not working for crappy corporations, for creating art we believe will make change. So there was a whole different niche there for me. And so Expand was Expand Your Vision, and it did coaching a little and publicity. That was one of my biggest things. Uh, I did nationwide publicity starting 10 years ago for, I don't know if you've ever heard of Yo Mama's Big Fat Booty Band, but they're one of the big bands that's come out of Asheville. Maybe that's one of the songs you should play at the end of the show. Um, They would love a shout out. Um, but I got to experience little niches of the arts world. So I did PR for bands and then I helped open up music venues in my town here. And then I started getting more into event production and I just sort of jumped from thing to thing, just biting off whatever I could chew. And I left expand spelled X P A N D cause I'm a creative, <laughs> um, very open-ended. And I think what I realized is when Mm. I went to actually start building the business structure behind it, it was too nebulous. So I could have taken years to really get that brand really codified, make it make sense, or I could have let that thing be my test pilot program, right? One of the best things I was able to do was produce an event for three years that put $300,000 back into my community, into the arts community. I paid musicians and staff and, you know, so to be able to generate that kind of money is true economic development. And it was so thrilling, but it just, again, the system, the business itself wasn't structured enough. And I learned so much from it that I was ready to kind of wipe that slate clean, go back to the basics, which what my niche is, is breaking down entrepreneurial conversations for artists. That's not something many people do and not many people do well. So let me stay there for a while and really let's let's economically support artists that way. And that's the big shift is I'm, I'm moving away from being an in-person coach and really focused on my local community here like I have been the last decade and I'm moving more to online coaching and that kind of ability, which just allows me to expand. And eventually I will have programs that people can hire on their own and they don't have to have me as a coach. So there will be a an ability for me to teach more people these kinds of topics that you talk about. So expand was super fun. It's actually in the process of being closed. Like most everything's done. It's kind of finishing, checking off the boxes, 
getting the last taxes done. So it's still kind of a whirlwind, but it was a beautiful, like, decade-long, you know, pet project is what I sort of think of it as. <laughs> a pet project that made it to six figures, so that's not too bad. That's fantastic. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, would you say that, obviously, as an entrepreneur, you want to fail, <laughs> you want to fail a lot, and you want to fail fast? Oh. <laughs> um just well because you it's want to true learn. i just feel so that just, one very deeply right now so <laughs> well no i'm not saying that you no, failed no, no, per no. se but you what you what, when you said you know you it, it was unstructured yep. and you learned so much from that i think that's a really good example of doing something and succeeding really well at it but still failing having an underlining yeah i mean it's, it's okay it's to not say failure. really failing <laughs> there's there's no such th- i i mean i feel the only failure is not doing something so true so you're either you're either winning or you're yeah. learning. And honestly, uh, you know, I sort of talked a little bit about my experience as a child. I was so shy as a kid. I was paralyzed to do stuff. I felt I had to be perfectly curated. And I, I affectionately mm-hmm. call myself a recovering perfectionist because I, I <laughs> wouldn't do things because I cared too much. You get that? <laughs> so oh. now this experience with Expand and failing in a lot of epic ways. I mean, we had a rained out event this year that screwed me over in ways that I couldn't recover on top of the fact that that business wasn't the most perfectly put together. So there was failure and it's super important to look yourself dead in the face and be harsh but also be your biggest fan and say, we are human. We are not curated to be perfect. Wouldn't that be lovely? But if that was the case, we'd be robots. And that's a whole different conversation, you know? So so there's so much beauty in allowing yourself to fail and to do that with a lot of grace. And I think it's important. Again, I love what our conversation seems to have a tone of normalizing. Normalizing failure is a good one too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh... I do. I do see a lot of um, people who are coaches in whatever capacity having a background in psychology. I think that is probably one of the most important things, because if you don't understand the human psyche to at least a reasonable level, Mm -hmm. you can't really help people get over their, you know, integral mindsets, their, you know, society, um, societal, quote unquote, brainwashing. (laughs) Right. You know, to get to get out of that. You know, oh, you're a musician. What's your real right. job oh. going to be? What's your backup plan? You know, and and I think there's no excuse this day and age. You know, when um, you know, when we were young, obviously it's get a job, get a degree, yeah. go to uh, you know, get a job in a company, retire there. And you know, I think a lot of people still have to get out of that mindset and say, no, literally anything you can think of doing, you can make money at. It's just the business right. side of it and the you know the the fundamental um mechanics of doing that job you know that it, it's the creative part that you want right. to do but you have to learn everything else such a learning curve isn't that the truth <laughs> mm. but let's be honest life is is all about a learning curve and wouldn't you rather learn how to curate a life that's beautiful for you and one that's fulfilling for others versus just ticking a box in in 
a huge way, I don't know exactly where you are, but I'm mid thirties. Um, and so our generation is pushing so many conversations forward. We're pushing entrepreneurialism of artists, which wasn't a conversation before. We're pushing equality of race. We're pushing, you know, the fact that we can have really open-ended conversations about sexuality, about marriage, about, you know, all of that is tough, but is really important. And so once again, having artists be on the forefront of that, we're the ones that are comfortable being uncomfortable or learning to be uncomfortable. And so it's important for us to stand up and say, yeah, it's okay. If I'm a woman who wants to turn into a man who wants to love a man, like none of that matters now. (laughs) And I think that's really important. It should have never really mattered anyway, you know? And so I just... There was a time that it didn't. You think so? Absolutely, because there was a, I'm not going to say that specifically because it might piss quite a large amount of people off, but there was, there was a time um, when a certain um, Roman emperor changed it's his true. religion, no, it's true. and prior to that, there was not an issue with yeah. it. That's, that's, that's as far as I'm going to go for my podcast. Well, and I just think in general, again, there's so many divides that we put up. Human beings... Mm needed to know how to categorize things. We needed to know if this berry was going to kill us or not. But do we really need to know if a certain race is better or worse? That's actually not accurate because if we break it down to race, that's not a real thing by our DNA, right? So you have to look past the reason we know how to judge and categorize and, and get deeper into what should we be now in our modern stage? Because our brains have grown and evolved and we are so much more capable of moving past these conversations. Absolutely. So we should. Get over yourself. <laughs> right? Step outside side the boundaries of your town and go travel a bit. And or um, or be an artist, right? If you really believe in yourself right. as that you have something creative and you want to do that, take that leap. Make that jump, you know? Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to do that a nice circle it back around to our <laughs> right so you, you you said you grew up in north carolina born and raised but i have traveled a fair amount have you lived anywhere else i really weirdly enough have actually only lived in new zealand and north carolina <laughs> not oh, wow. not the worst that's that's no but that's that's a significant change it's a very long, big change how long did that last it was only about a half year i did an internship through school i worked at a hospital there and it was amazing um i i have done several sort of you know mini retirements i did a three-month cross-country trip at one point really explored the u.s um i've done canada and costa rica a little bit of europe so like travel is hugely important because Let's face it, I live in the South. It could be very backwards here. But again, circling back around to the beginning of the podcast, my experience as a white person in a predominantly Mm. black area actually really influenced my understanding of equity. And I take a very great responsibility of being a white woman in this modern day and age. And I will support Mm. and uplift any race or any equity, you know, conversation from the perspective that I can. I will never be a black woman. I don't know what that's like, but that I I am willing to learn and be there and fight how I can. Yeah, I mean, I've I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I, you know, moving from England and then, uh, you know, growing up and then going to New England for the last eighteen years, and now now I'm in Texas. You know, I I was always very resistant to um, the social conditioning, and I could or as a, at a young age, it was like, well, why do I have to do that? Mm-hmm. I was very, 
you know, I may not have been rebellious outwardly, but internally I was extremely rebellious. Like, you know, Valentine's Day. Why do I have to buy flowers on that specific day? Or, um, you know, in England has no separation of church and state. So it was like, well, this means nothing to me, even at a young age. And it's like, but every it it was more of the annoyance at the apathy in society mm -hmm. because everyone just like took it for granted that you go to church and it's like well why? right like it was always questioning that stuff but I think moving around a lot you definitely see the inherent um, social conditioning of different areas but how how you know society and cultures are different and how they're the same. I just didn't, didn't know if you'd experienced trying to get outside your own, or experience any social conditioning within yourself, you know, if you're if you're doing any self-exploration. Like, oh, that, why do I do that specific thing? Is it because I want to do it or is it because it's expected of me? Yeah. Um, I would say one of the biggest sort of introspections I've had is um, I, again, from a psychology background, I'm a healer, mm. I'm a caretaker, and there's a fine line between being codependent enabler and being a caretaker. And that's a lot of mm -hmm. the work that I personally have to do. Being a coach, being in this world, it's it's so important to have that compassion, but you have to know how to separate. When I was doing mental health work and getting phone calls at 6 a.m. from you know jail or DSS who was taking kids away, I had to find a way to carve my own space to deal with my mental emotions too and keep that separate. And so I have to make sure that I am not investing myself into someone else's work. Mm. That's a lot of the work I do. The equity side wasn't, again, because it was so early on for me, it wasn't something I had to do a whole lot of work on. It sort of was naturally ingrained in me. Oh, I'm a woman, which means I maybe am in a different hierarchy than men, which means I may be in a different hierarchy than certain races. That always made sense. But really, the battle has been in my own dang head. <laughs> And trying to make sure that I am doing this because I have skills to bring, not because making you happy that I am good at what I do makes me good. Right? <laughs> so sure. that's been a huge sure. part. I've had a lot of anxiety over my life. Um, I had an ulcer in middle school almost. <laughs> Uh, because I cared so much what everybody thought. And so for me, that was why early on I kind of chose not to break free to be a true artist because I was too terrified. I think if I had some of the skills I had now, younger, I might have been an artist. I mean, my mom still wants me to this day to be a singer and travel around the world that way, which is pretty awesome. Not lots of parents feel that for their kids. So I feel lucky that I always had that encouragement. But for anybody out there who's in that position holding themselves back, hear that. It's not worth it. It's not worth holding yourself back mm. because you're afraid to fail, because you're afraid it won't be perfect, because you're afraid someone will be mad, someone will be upset. Uh, in fact, a couple of days ago, I made a post on my Instagram kind of off the cuff and someone sort of responded, not negatively, but sort of almost combatively and was like, I don't really understand what you're saying. We had a great dialogue about it and he's, we have a sales meeting with him next week because he needs some support and I got to move him through a conversation. So be willing to be told you're wrong. Be willing to tell other people they're wrong. Don't be an asshole. Right. There's a there's a difference. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
but yeah, so wise words to live by. But that's a great question. Um, yeah, for me, it was so much more my own internal battle. And as a creative, that's a huge part of our journey. You know, you mentioned mm. being someone who questioned things early on. That's a true creative. That's a true artist. That's mm. a true, you know, doer and dreamer. We're the ones who sit there at night and are like, why? I hated Valentine's Day too. I still don't really. In fact, usually. Uh, at different times of year, I will do things like Valentine's, but I will do it in like March or I'll do it, you know, um, because I think celebrating love is beautiful. But again, why February 14th? Right. Exactly. <laughs> so um, just to lighten the mood uh, even more and just to, to warn you, I did warn you before my my humor is a little sick. Uh, the I fact love that it. You were, you, the fact that you were in New Zealand, have you seen the New Zealand debt commercial? No. Oh, you haven't? No, I feel like I have to now. You have to now, and it will be posted on, on the, the uh, show notes. <laughs> Perfect. But it's not safe for work. It's it's truly hilarious, and it Good. definitely has some... You know how New Zealanders pronounce their vowels differently? Oh, yes. So. Check out that dick. <laughs> so there we go. Did you ever watch so Flight of go. the Concords? That was a New Zealand-based show. I have show. also seen that, and I believe that's coming back. Oh, cool. When I was there, it was like it had just kind of come out not too long ago. Because, I mean, I was there in college, which was like 2007. We don't need to go there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. yeah. So, I mean, it was really that's fun it. to watch sort of the pop culture thing. And all of my sure. friends back home were loving it. And then it, the billboards are in New, Ze- in New Zealand. And so it is fun to watch those that's kinds awesome. of things happen yeah i mean i'm 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 in my fourth uh decade now so i'm, I'm older than you are so okay cool <laughs> i you know honestly a lot of people sort of are always like i want to go back to high school i want to go back to whatever i am very content continuing to get older other than the physical pain of just you know <laughs> more headaches more tiredness but like otherwise yep. do not put me back there um so what what would you say a significant negative experience you've had to overcome was and what did it teach you? Oh my gosh. A significant negative experience. I had like many flood in my mind. <clears throat> I have a couple. I know. I was just trying to think. You know, one that I think sometimes really shocks people is when I was doing mental health work. A lot of times what I would run into, I was not actually a therapist. I was what they call a qualified mental health professional. So mm-hmm. I have schooling and some experience, but not as much as a therapist. Um, but for whatever reason, I would always get paired with a team with a therapist who wasn't always available. <laughs> so they'd be the person on call at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., whatever, but I would always end up having to take the calls. So one of the times this was the scenario, and I ended up going – out to one of my clients' homes who she had developmental disabilities. She was about 18 years old and was starting to realize what her physical limitations meant to her life. She had to live with her grandmother. Her grandmother was taking care of her. And you know what it's like to be a teenager and be like, this sucks. But she was going to always have to be there. So there was so much frustration and anger in her world. And I walk in and she has gotten her family gun and is holding on to this thing. So it's an 18-year-old who really has a brain more like a 10-year-old, 9-year-old who's emotional as hell. (laughs) And I'm not a trained therapist. Yes, I'd been doing work for a few years. Yes, I knew this client, but I was 
unbelievably terrified. I mean, I was not really sure I was totally the right person to handle this. Um, and having to sort of overcome potential death staring me in the face, I didn't really think that was the case, but seeing that an you know, a scenario with so much uncertainty can go any which way. And I just honestly zinned out in a way that maybe I never have before. My dad does crisis work. My mom did crisis work. So I think it's kind of ingrained in me a little. And I, within five minutes, had her gun out of her hand. We had gotten her in the car on the way to the hospital and just worked the whole process out. And I just was so dumbfounded at at sort of the ability to trust my own instincts because that was clearly not my logical brain making decisions it was just this instinctual part of me trusting my knowledge trusting my skills and trusting that this trust I had with this person was going to get me somewhere and it did Mm. so that was a really like even right now I'm sort of getting goosebumps it's always been a really powerful memory of mine to think Mm. I could have gone any which way and thankfully it didn't (laughs) so yeah i want to ask you the same (laughs) oh no this is my podcast i don't (laughs) i know i know i know it's hard for me not to (laughs) Um, let's see um i don't think i've shared this um you know publicly but you know i absolutely adore my I, i adore my dogs um but there was a time you know maybe 10 years ago or so where they would get on my nerves, they'd, you know, poop in the house, and I'd <laughs> yell at them, and I'd be kind of mean. And, you know, and and I started to, when I started to work on my mental health issues, um, I, I discovered that, you know, potentially, you know, being mean to animals is a sign of, of depression, and that's a, <laughs> yeah. a, a specific Or worse, point. no. <laughs> or worse. It, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it, I don't... It, it, the point where it definitely changed for me was when we lost my um uh my female dog um she she had tumors and and it was a really sad mm-hmm. time and just the fact that i had to make the decision to end her life because it was she could literally couldn't breathe because of the internal bleeding um oh, man. and it just flipped something in my brain that if if I start getting annoyed and you know because the dogs have peed on the floor or something, um, it switches something on in my brain. And said, "Oh, wait a second, that's a trigger. You need to you know up your dosage or you need to do something about that because that's not a normal state of mind." If you right, will. and it's not how you um, feel all the time anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And 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 the fact that you can like switch your mindset to. To think, well, this this is not a quote unquote sentient being. It, I mean, you know, it's not an intelligent being. It. I understand. <laughs> it literally is a is a is a creature that drops everything, will meet you at the door, and is excited as shit that you're home. Doesn't care about anything else. And it's like, well, how the hell am I? Could I be anything less than loving to this animal? Because all it cares about is me. So. You know, and it, it's just, I guess that's probably not the only thing, but that no, that's sure. a really big one for me because, you know, it, it, it basically caused me to be mindful of my own mental mental health. And what a great statement. And the way you worded it, too, makes me really think about the concept of essentially 
every experience we have is a chance for us to check in with ourselves. And every Mm. frustrating moment you have with a colleague, friend, family member is actually a growth opportunity. And so Mm. we were talking about getting older and learning ourselves better, starting to be able to understand those cycles and those triggers. I talk about this a lot with my clients. When we do business coaching, I put the caveat in all of the time. So we need to do a budget or we have to put our numbers down, but do it however you want. And I'll be like, let's put it on a wall and marker. Let's tattoo it on our body, right? Like I, I try to throw out this this concept that helps them change their mindset. Instead of saying, oh, budget, I hate that. It's saying, how do I use this as a tool to say, oh, I'm frustrated with this. Me, I don't like numbers. I don't want a budget. I sit down once a month with a glass of wine and put some good music on and I make it work for me because it has to get done, right? (laughs) A job is a job. Life is life. Days are hard. But if we can use them as moments for our own personal growth, we're going to realize that nobody's really trying to hurt us (laughs) Mm. or, you know, pee on our floor for ill intent. (laughs) Right. That's, that's the big thing. Yeah. Right. There is, is, uh, intent versus you know accident i guess yeah it's it's yeah that's that's but even true sorry go ahead i was gonna say even true intent with humans oftentimes again as a psychologist and sort of mental health person there's a reason they were hurt in a way it's a protective factor of theirs their mental health isn't going well you know Mm. i have this really beautiful um chakra alignment um visual tool i use and it talks about each part of the chakras and how different parts of you are in different states react differently so if one part of your being your mind your heart your soul are out of whack that could be out of whack in multiple ways you have more than one of those parts out of whack with someone else's parts that are out of whack you're inevitably gonna have a more challenging moment and conversation and so i think compassion and empathy for yourself and everybody else who's just trying to figure it out too (laughs) it's really important and i think the other the the part i was going to say is just that you know, you, you can't even, you don't know where their intent, somebody else's intent is because essentially what you're doing is projecting your, (laughs) your own ish, (laughs) your own, exactly onto what they, you think they're thinking and you can't know what they're thinking you're thinking. So, yeah, no, it's so true. Yeah. Psychology and, and human development is so fascinating and, and truth in part because I was an anxious person and I was shy. There was a lot of like lies in my family. Uh, my parents are divorced. So that was a thing. They were recovering addicts. So I just I had a lot of, of not stability in my in my growing mm. up. And so it certainly impacted me. But realizing that these are my experiences and that's how I see the world and that that's not how everybody does and and learning how everybody else does so you can find out how to color in the lines together to make a pretty picture (laughs) for sure so let's flip that around and what major positive experience has given you the encouragement to follow in you know this journey (sighs) major positive experiences you know, this is one that I actually don't think I've ever really like publicly stated. So I think it would be really um, poignant to say um, in my journey of expand and the expand brand and the many names it had, 
at one point, my mom has a couple um, autoimmune disorders and she has been just battling for years. She lost her job years ago. She couldn't work full time. Has been trying to get disability and that process is shite. It's really difficult. It's not easy. Um, and it's, it's just, again, one more broken system. So she'd been fighting for years. I was working mental health jobs, working the arts council, sort of just bouncing around, taking some freelance clients and she ended up getting disability. And my mom comes to me and just says, I want to give you a little bit of money out of this disability money. I haven't had money forever. I want you to take this opportunity to learn how to grow a business. Our family's never come from money. We don't have a lot to offer. So please take this. And like, holy crap, that was honestly one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Um, But the fact that she believed in me so much and she gave the caveat from the get go. She was like, if this fails, you hate it. You go back to other work. It doesn't matter. This is just for you to try because I believe in that so much. And I, I wouldn't be who I am without her in general. But that moment of just blind faith and trust. And even to this day, considering Expand was a failure, considering she didn't get her money back, considering whatever, she is so proud and so happy. And so it was just a really powerful moment to have someone believe in you so much that you kind of almost have to prove them right or wrong, right? You can't just say no. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, it was it was a beautiful thing. And I'm very thankful of of that. That's fantastic. Um, so the, the, uh, the very big question, um, I'm going to change it a little bit. I mean, you can answer it as is, what does music mean to you? But you could mm. expand that to arts in general of a creative world. I'm happy to answer it for music too, though. <laughs> uh, music for me is, is my mental health savior. You know, it was a way for me to find myself. It was a way for me to relate to emotions that I couldn't communicate. It was a way to connect with other individuals when I didn't know how to. It was a safe platform to connect to people. And I do think the same about the arts in general, because I think somebody can have the same relating feeling about knitting that someone else does about music, that someone else does about painting, sculptures, whatever it is. So for me using the arts as this outlet for life (laughs) is Mm. is what it means to me is is it should be the thing that makes life bearable because it's not always easy yeah absolutely (laughs) all right um if just finishing up i mean what what would a um, piece of advice like one major piece of advice you'd give someone who wants to pursue a creative field as a as a career one major advice do it (laughs) I mean that's obviously a much more complicated answer than that but point blank if you truly believe you have something to offer test that out talk to people about that idea research it do other people do that find groups where people are doing those things learn from individuals take classes go watch youtube videos go to concerts like if you think you can do this learn what it means to do this and then see when I was a kid, I swore I was going to be an architect. And then I realized it was all math and numbers and crap I hated. So I pivoted. <laughs> if you right. think you can do it, give it a shot. And in the journey, you're going to learn whether or not you want to do it. And that's totally fine. Fantastic advice. So just do it, right? This old adage. <laughs> right. Just do it. 
Just cool. Um, so you mentioned uh, you wanted to play a piece of music from a, a, a local band. What Maybe we should do Yo Mama's Big Fat Booty Band. They they've sort of like dwindled a little. A lot of them, like some of our kids now, but they started in Boone, North Carolina. They have hoofed it all over. I'm sure they've played not too far from you guys. Um, yeah, I think that'd be a fun one for you to play. So what what's what would be the specific song? I don't know. Can I? Can you put it in the show notes? I don't know which one we should do. I could look it up now sure. or. Okay. It'll be a surprise. That's fine. Okay. I, I'll announce it when I add it in anyway. Perfect. So. I should look a little. I mean, there's so many bands. Again, I've worked with musicians and performers in my town and regionally for 11 years. So, I mean, I could rattle hundreds of bands, but I think it might be kind of fun to give a little shout out to them. Sure, they were one of my starts. <laughs> and it's a cool. band called Yo Mama's Big Fat Booty Band. Like, come on. It's a little silly. <laughs> You're going to love it. Just, just for context, I'm wearing a shirt that said, I like big books and I cannot lie. So it's kind of apt. <laughs> yeah, I think we have to play a song from them now, for sure. I think so. Um, that's, that's great. So what, what, where can people find you, what you do? Yeah, you know all, all the all the stuff that um, you're doing right now, and how they can get in touch with you. The biggest option is um, Instagram because I primarily am going to be working with creatives. That's the platform I'm going to invest most of my time in. Um, so that is the handle at genuinely jph. And uh, there is also a link to my website there, which is JPH Creative. Um, and those are the two best options right now is for you to kind of check out my Instagram and my website. There's going to be a YouTube channel. I'm going to start introducing some blogs. But like I said, I'm literally closing two six-figure businesses and opening this one at the same time. So come to Instagram and engage with me there and let's chat. And then when there's more options, then you will be able to find me, I'm sure. Absolutely. And you can always Google you, your name and you might come up with some hairy results. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. I loved how much you were doing all this research today and bringing up some of the events that I threw. The Keep Asheville Beard, which was a beard competition and fundraiser for our nonprofit side, was so bizarre. If you want, I can send you a couple photos of some of the winners. Those beards and mustaches were insane um and it's always fun to have a little fun if you're going to be making money and raising sure. money for charity <laughs> That's awesome. plus i live in the mountains of north carolina so everybody around here is bearded <laughs> that's good i i'm actually quite um light of beard right now you are. I was, I, <laughs> i've I definitely seen it longer for a while yes it's definitely <laughs> longer, so well thank you so much for the uh for the time and uh it was an excellent conversation. Yay. And, uh, we definitely have to keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely. I've really been enjoying what you're posting. And I need to get a little more active on the Facebook group again. Facebook is one that I'm just, I'm struggling with personally, but. <laughs> yeah. It could be gone tomorrow. You know, as long as we. your email list. Right? That's so true. Get that email list. <laughs> As you'll agree, I think this was an excellent conversation with tons of really great information. And I really hope Jonah will come back for a round two so we can touch on more points in depth. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. And don't forget to visit musiconyourownterms.com to sign up for the mailing list and keep in the loop for all the amazing upcoming interviews I've got planned. 
please consider leaving a review on iTunes because it really helps to get the word out about the podcast. And the last few episodes of the year specifically are going to be ones you both don't want to miss and I think are going to be so beneficial for musicians that want to make a career out of music or are currently pursuing a career in music. As always, keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is Yo Mama's Big Fat Booty Band with True Battle.